I guess one of us ought to say something if we're going to record something. All right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, Scotty, uh, are you ever going to forgive me for bailing on the last recording session? John, you fell asleep, and um, do you know what? You know, after doing a couple of episodes on ageism, uh, it would be wrong to criticise a man of your age for for sort of uh, dr- drifting off to sleep at that time of the evening. <laughs> no, no, no! Come on, I will reveal something that, uh, I, as a father, still one of my favourite things to do is to to read to my child, and oftentimes he'll say, "Stay here while I fall asleep," and then and then he does, and then uh, sometimes I too too because sleepy is nice. But uh, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Sleep it. Sleep is good, and then uh, you just um, you know, leave me abandoned here, just uh, you know, all by myself. I know, I know. But I think that uh, fortunately, you have the National Health Service, which should pay for some therapy. I think now. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I'm not sure how good it would be, but yes. <laughs> anyway, no, no. I've just slighted our entire health system to a, to a bunch of people around the world who already think it's bad when it's not. Anyway, uh, John, well, um, we we had some correspondence this week. We did. I couldn't believe it. I was so happy. Yes, from Ignacio. I, I, I'm confident that I, I, well, who knows? Maybe it's Ignacio. I don't know. Orona, I don't know, a fellow from Argentina. And he wrote this very lovely mail, which I'd like to read to it. It says, hi there. Hi, guys. My name is Ignacio. I write to you from Argentina or from Argentina. I just wanted to drop you a line. I follow your podcast almost every week. I find it to be very interesting to hear about lots of stuff I'm worried about myself, especially regarding ageism, and basically will I code for the rest of my career? Or basically, will we need computer programmer for another century or at least 50 years more? I am 34 now, but I have been doing this for the last more or less 15 years, and nice to hear experiences from guys like yourselves. I enjoyed especially the podcast the other day regarding burnout. At some point in my career, when I was working a full time programming job plus studying at the university, I had to leave computers altogether. It was too much. I just said, computers, oh no, fuck computers, and worked on the music business for around two years. Could not stand it anymore. Gladly my love, if such a thing, for developing programming eventually came back, and here I am back on track after another around six years more focused than ever, working on iOS. Keep up the good work, chaps. Cheers, Ignacio. Well, thank you, Ignacio. It was so nice of you to, to, to write. No, really, it was. Um, and so happy to know that uh, some of these things that we talk about, that, which sometimes I guess are a little bit uncomfortable to discuss, um, are, are useful and interesting. And I would actually like to know, you can write back, uh, you don't have to tell us any of the gory details, but I would love to know uh, something about the music business. Uh, what was it? Maybe you were tour manager for the Grateful Dead or something. Who knows? Anyway, maybe you'll tell us. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> isn't that what everybody who leaves development to go and do becomes a tour manager for the Grateful Dead? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and, you they've, know, had all, you know, they've had almost as many tour managers as there are people because that's how long they've been touring. I know, but I, I think I'm afraid that there are many people probably have no idea who the Grateful Dead are. That's how old we are. Or I don't know, who knows? Maybe it's still a potent cultural phenomenon. Anybody anybody as old as us, John, would have, you couldn't have lived as long as we have without hearing about the Grateful Dead. Yeah. So speaking of grateful and dead, uh, it's time to to uh, talk about how grateful I am for uh, uh, 
uh, not having this app that I've been working on a little bit off and on uh, recently again uh, not be dead. But my gosh, you know, I've I've heard, and this is an off-topic rant, or maybe not, but uh, I've heard lots of people, including Jeppy in particular, complain about how awful uh, uh, Cocoa Pods are, and I actually like it, and I don't want to open up the can of worm, but I have to say, after not working on a project for a year and picking it up and uh, trying to get everything going again, also on a brand new machine, it was pretty damn painful. I, I get why people... Why I get the argument why people can't stand cocoa pods, um, but I persevered through it and got it working again. And I did it because I wanted to to see if all the hullabaloo about iOS ten, particularly with with uh, collection views and 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 table views being faster, uh, was true. And I can say, wow, it really is true. I didn't do anything other than just compile it and link it against the new libraries. So maybe there's even more so, more optimization to be done. But my gosh, uh, Apple, why didn't you just do this before to begin with? Okay, there's there's a lot in there, John. That was that was a, a, a rant with um, a whole bunch of stuff. So, um, uh, firstly, cocoa pods. I guess if it's been a year, you were using a naught point something version, yes. and and now it's the one point version. I think there were breaking changes in that in that release, if I remember rightly, which might have been some of your problem. That's indeed what um, it was. The pod file was was completely incompatible, and but the other thing too is just I was able to see it from fresh eyes because you have a brand new machine, and then in you know in order to run Cocoa Pods you need a newer version of Ruby than it's on there, so then you have to install Homebrew, and then you have to get the package manager, and then you have to get a newer version of, of Ruby, then you you know it's it's a lot of, of stuff to get done. Um, and there's a lot of, of uh, you know, if you're doing Ruby all the time, or you're doing Rails all the time, you already have to have that infrastructure. If the only reason you're putting it on your machine is to, to be able to do the dependency management, that's, you know, there there's a complaint. A first world complaint, but a complaint nonetheless. But once once you've got CocoaPod set up, so, so here's a here's a question so once cocoa pods itself was set up and you and you corrected the syntax of the pod file um we were able to just run pod update or pod install and have everything then work indeed and so and so you know complain 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 it worked and this is a super hard problem to solve i actually also did try they they have like this installed app they said okay we can make like xcode and and give you one place that has everything that didn't quite work um so it was just basically you know just just copy and paste whatever Google error you have with anything in the in in the world, and then you'll get it. And not only will you get the page, but they go ahead and just summarize you and say, "Here are the twelve easy steps which you can go through without even having to dive into the web page." So, in fairness to Cocoa Pods, then, um, although setting Cocoa Pods up was a bit of a mess, it then did the job it was supposed to do, which is dependency management, because I guess it brought you up to date on. Uh, did you have a, a pod file that insisted on fixed versions of the pods, or were you just always using the latest pod or the latest no, compatible I, pod? I, I always tended to use uh, specific versions, um, especially for things that 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 you know, if it's a devil, you know uh, that you want to be very clear about it. But I think also it behooves you to 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 take a quick look and see if there aren't significant upgrades. I mean that you know there's ancient versions of Google and uh, ancient one year old version of, of Google Analytics, which have changed. And of course, Facebook is changing everything every five minutes. So I think in some cases for for very, very popular things, it's probably fine and, and desirable to go to the latest version. But for other ones, um, particularly things, you know, if there's networking or security, and you're very specific about the version you want, then it's probably helpful to have that fixed version. 
Well, then that's, that was sort of a mixed result then, really, wasn't it? I mean, because setting up the manager is, you only do that once. And if it then did its job, I guess that's that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, we've had this discussion several times and so we won't go into it too much again. But, you know, Cocoa Pods, I'm not against Cocoa Pods personally as a, as a technology. I'm against the way people use it. Um, as I've said before, that people just feel they can, oh, there's a pod to do that. And they add a pod to their code to uh, a, po- a pod which installs, you know, thousands of lines of code into their app that they've not even bothered looking at. That, that's my issue. It's not the Cocoa Pods itself. Um, if you've done your due diligence on the third party framework you're introducing, um, then Cocoa Pods is a pretty good way of introducing it, really. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. And then I'm still, you know, I'll be going through the, the it's been a while since I've, I've used iTunes Connect on on this project and it'll be interesting to see you know, what changes are there and, and, and also brand new machine. So I, I will say that uh, the, a lot of the pain of, of certificates and, and it certainly seems to have disappeared. Um, and, and it's so funny because, you know, it's, it's I guess I, I've grown soft because, you know, for the last, you know, since I've been at Netflix, I don't ever worry about any of this stuff. We have built machines. That's somebody else's problem. I just check in the code and magically the, the right things happen afterwards. So having to go back and say, oh, yeah, it's a lot of work, even after you get your app done to, to, to get it testable and, and distributed and then, you know, available on the App Store. But part of the reason I'm doing this is because, uh, you know, Apple wants their new versions of, of, of software that take advantage of, of iOS 10 and if you want to kind of get on that train you need to get you need to get going now so um i'll just pick a say you said brand new machine you got yourself a new, new machine no actually uh, i got a machine for for my son um he uh he really he needs it for his school and uh it's uh, during the day he uses chromebooks and it's like uh the non-retina display gives me a headache and but he's also actually uh he's been playing with us with playgrounds and he's he's become interested in in, in writing code so cool yeah. great yeah i know he's been interested in writing code for a little while so that's really cool excellent yeah. and playgrounds is having that up oh so talking about shiny shiny new and shiny um Okay, let, let's keep this quick because you know, I think there's probably been 3,000 podcasts at least that have spoken about it. iPhone 7, going to buy or not buy? Uh, I already did. I'll be picking it up on, on uh, Friday. And uh, I didn't wake, I didn't kind of wait up until 12.01. I just I was up at five or six in the morning and uh, just managed to find it, no problem. And, and I'll pick it up at the, the Apple store on Friday. Um, gosh, in San Francisco, the new or newish Apple Store in Union Square is 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 pretty spectacular, um, and you know so I find it interesting. And I'm jaded as hell, but uh, my son was like all agape, uh, you know, eyes eyes open. It's like wow, it is pretty nice. Um, but I think for me, I've always said you know it, it's the camera improvements. My I I wish that you could have the the same camera that you have from the Seven Plus in the in the regular Seven because I I can't I can't possibly carry around a, a phone that big but no i'm very much looking forward to it so it was it was the camera that was the selling point for you absolutely none of the other things kind of although you know in in humor i would i I would love to hear the the audio overdubbed version when they're talking about the black and super black because they're in uh German listeners will, will surely correct me, but I do remember from my offset printing days that there was a certain type of black called Tiefschwarz, which is like super black, which is essentially when you add cyan, magenta, and yellow at, in like 10 or 20% each and then add regular black on top of it. So you get super rich, you know, shiny black like they have there. So, yeah, it's a, it's, um, 
It's amazing how it is the camera. I've been doing a, a talk recently at conferences called The Selfie Developer, um, which is looking at uh, a whole bunch of th- the way technology's changed over the years and how we haven't. But anyway, that's a, an aside point. Um, but uh, it's amazing how the camera is the buying decision for almost everybody who buys these devices, or not everybody, but you know, a, a vast majority or a lot of people anyway. Um, I'm backing off from everybody to vast majority to a lot of people some quite people. quickly there. <laughs> to some people, a few people, um, I'm sure there's one or two, um, you know, the camera. And yet when the camera, when, when the iPhone was introduced, uh, although the camera was spoken about it, it didn't even get, it didn't get a place on that, that board is, you know, it was, it was phone, music player, internet communicator. And the camera was sort of mentioned a little bit later. It was like point number seven, got a couple of minutes and, and whatever else. And yet without doubt in the, in the whole smartphone industry, not just in, in the iPhone, it is the driving factor of, of these devices now. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I have a, a an SLR, but I have not used it in a, in a long time. And it's funny. I mean, it's like it, it, it's. I do want to play around with the the, the seven plus to, to really kind of see the the depth of field, um, cleverness, um, because that I had always understood that there are kind of physics based limitations to, to sensors and of course you know lenses and so on and so forth. But I guess that uh, with a little bit of packing and a super clever software, I guess that they're able to do this processing. It, it looks pretty damn good to me. And- yeah, I'm 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 un- I haven't made up my mind yet. I think uh, I mean I've, my success is only about six months old. Um, and I said the only reason I would get another one is for the camera because I don't think there is anything else about it that I mean the I, I guess the tactic feedback on the on the button is interesting, um, but uh, outside of that, really, it was it was a it was an in, it was like a six S S upgrade really because mm. the case the case is shiny and watertight, but it is effectively the same design I think. Um, haven't actually held one or seen one yet. Um, but uh, so I think I would be interested in, I haven't got a plus device at all, so I might be interested in the plus device just to have one to test the larger screen sizes on, but because of this new double camera. But uh, unfortunately, with the current exchange rates, which works quite well for something, you know, the, the price of the 7 Plus is about £100 more than it was for the 6 Plus. Mm. Um, uh and they've done the whole, yay, let's go up to 32 gig, but then they dropped the 64 gig um, models, which was a nice price point, 64 gig, but there we go. Uh, but so, uh, yeah, I might get a 7 Plus, but uh, we'll we'll see. Um, well, I'd say that the, the important reason why you want to have it is eventually you'll come to San Francisco, and I think that you'll need some portrait photography of your favorite podcast co-host, no? I'm in San Francisco in a few weeks' time, John, so maybe that's it. Maybe that's just giving me my permission so I can um, take pictures of you and we can get a blurred background and I can catch your hair flowing in the wind and things like that. I think we'll have to do some boudoir photography for our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Dear, oh dear, oh dear. (laughs) And the watch, can I upgrade your watch? Uh, No, but actually, you know, it's funny. Uh, I will admit that I have not worn it in a long time. I never even, you know, upgraded it to the the new operating system, which I would imagine makes it much better. And, and gosh, you know, uh, the the accurate GPS. Where was it when I was making the Findry watch app? That would have been helpful. <laughs> so. Yes, yeah, it's just like a little. It's uh, 
the watch definitely has the feeling of something that is progressing uh, slowly, and that's not a criticism because you know they're working with very small technology in, in whatever else. But it, it's you don't feel it's on a fast path of change, um, and you know I, I guess because we now compare it to the phone, you know it's the the ch- the change in the um, in the watch series two. I like the naming, by the way. Um, to between that and, and the original one is probably roughly equivalent to uh, the change between sort of like the iPhone and the iPhone 3G or maybe the iPhone 3GS. I mean, it's, yeah, we forget the phone made gradual changes in its early days as well. The It wasn't really till the 4 that the phone became this sort of pretty powerful device in a way. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's going through that, that sort of phase of things. So, that's pretty cool for, for me again um you know if you're a, ru- a runner or uh you know uh, have obsessive compulsive disorder and like to make rings connect and things like this um you know then i can really i can see the point of it um and whatever else if you're on constantly out on public transport or whatever else and, and looking at messages and whatever but I just have no use for it that I can't justify spending hundreds of dollars on a device I'm not really going to use. Yeah. Um, and if I, you know, and because I don't have the use for its functions and the GPS and everything, if I was to be honest, if I was going to spend three or $400, I would probably spend it on a analog watch. So mm. not that you get the best analog watch for three or $400 admittedly, but you get, can get a reasonably okay one. Yeah. Well, the, the best part of the keynote actually was for me always is the the manufacturing porn, like you know how the how things are made. But they talked about how they they expelled air, or rather expelled water from from the phone using you know you know audio. I just imagined that they were were like you know. Uh, had the finest voiceover talent in there to do auditions to be able to figure out, you know, do they want to go with Morgan Freeman going <laughs> or go with, you know, Don Cheadle or I don't know, Britney Spears or, or Katy Perry going <laughs> to be able to generate just the right audio tone to be able to expel the water. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who is the best water expulsion voice? That would be fun. <laughs> oh dear. I think uh, my favorite, um, because I was, I watched the. I was in Aberystwyth for uh, iOS Dev UK last week, so I watched the um, keynote in a room of about two hundred people. Mm. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think my favourite quote afterwards was because uh, they showed the the game, didn't they? The, the Wizard of Oz game, mm. you know, and I think they made the point of four hundred flying monkeys and. Uh, uh, someone sort of said at dinner table, I, was, I think I'm going to wait for the 7S because I think I really need 800 flying monkeys. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I think, and, and the biggest moment of the, um, or the biggest standout thing for me of the keynote, watching it with other people was um, at the moment when, you know, Phil Schiller was justifying removing the headphone socket from the phone, uh, which I personally, you know, don't have a problem with, um, you know, but, you know, his, I think it was the first of his three reasons for um, for doing it. He just said courage, and that just got the oh, biggest yeah. biggest groan of the whole keynote. It was like it was almost there was this groan followed by laughter type of thing of you know of of you know people just 
I don't know. It was it was quite disappointing. Not not people's response. It was like a you know, I'm sure it's not the response that Apple would have been looking for when they said that and they planned that keynote and they must have specifically chosen that word. Um, so it wasn't really received the way I think they they mentioned. Well, it and, and and this is the funny thing is because uh, yeah, I listened to it. I was like, yeah, it's right up there with like you know being in the Mediterranean as a Syrian refugee trying to find a, a, a better better opportunity for your family. But they, there was a, the clip that was shown from is one of the last, I think, times that Steve Jobs um, was speaking in public. It was at the with the Wall Street Journal thing, not the Wall Street, you know, uh, what's the guy's his name? You know, the the, the big reviewer. Spacing. Walt Mossberg. Walt Mossberg, right. And so and he and, and the phrase he used was courage of our convictions, which is a different a completely different thing. You talk about courage, it means one thing. Courage of your conviction just means like you believe in, in what you're making. It makes perfect sense. So I think it's for want of those extra two words that they, they left a really kind of overwrought and, and pretty dumb impression in people's minds. And it was sort of, I don't want to get hung up on this because I think, you know, the removal of it is something we won't even care about by the iPhone 8 or whatever else. So, I mean, it's not, I'm not one of these people who's spent hours worrying about this and lying awake at night and whatever else. But it's, they are obviously a little bit nervous about this because um, normally when they change a port of some form, they'll say, and if you really need the old stuff, you can buy an adapter for $20. Whereas this time they're sticking it in the box. Mm. So that, that, that to me says we're not quite as brave as we think we are right now, or we've said we are. But anyway, it, it, was, an, it was an interesting um, keynote. For me, I guess I have a little bit of a personal problem that I think that because, because they invite all the press and they do it in um, the big hall, I can't remember the name of the, the hall now, um, the big hall and everything that they feel they have to give a two hour presentation. And it felt like there was stuff in there to make it two hours, as opposed to just saying the stuff, it could have been a 90 minute or even a 75 minute presentation, given what they've got and, um, and, and, and been done. And it just, and it did feel, feel that there was quite a lot of padding in there, hmm. um, which yeah, as someone at the end of the day watching it I just want the information to get on I understand it has to be an event um, I was speaking with uh, someone from Apple a little bit afterwards the next day and saying well why didn't they talk about they're going to change the memory in the iPads or why didn't they mention laptop and they said well because you know keynotes are about a message and they're only going to give you what's on message and that's it and I get that I get that's marketing it's a message and you don't want to dilute that message with anything else um, but it still did feel padded anyway unless you have anything burning else to say on it should we move on Let's move on. Well, as I said, I was in uh, sunny Wales last week um, at Aberystwyth uh, at iOS Dev UK, which I think is in its uh, sixth year, which, yeah, I think that's true because it was called iOS Dev UK 6, so I'm going to say it. Um, I think I said on the last time we uh, we recorded that uh, uh, this is one of my favourite conferences because it is... Um, the way they describe it is every decision made is to make it affordable. Um, I, mean, I mean, this conference is, you know, it's a three-day conference and it's less than 200 bucks for the ticket. Um, and and I think even then, if you take the accommodation that comes with it, um, which is like staying in the halls of residence at the university where it's at, I mean, I think it's under, under 400 bucks for the whole thing, including your accommodation. So, I mean, it is really is what I call a you know, bargain basement. Um, 
keep it cheap so it's an affordable and because it's an affordable conference you get a whole bunch of people there who you don't get at other conferences because you know lots of people at conferences as we spoke about last time their employers pay for them to go if it's a you know seven eight nine hundred bucks you know it's an expense and the company pays it whereas that's a lot of people especially people beginning or people doing it as a hobby so the demographic of the conference tends to be a little different uh, a lot of younger people there um and it's really cool and it's a great a great place and chris uh and neil who organized it managed to get some great speakers in and uh it's, it's a fun three days and it was it that sort of was a uh, no different this year had a, a great time uh caught up with a few old friends and lots lots of new ones um wales was actually sunny uh, the Aberystwyth University where it's at is on a really steep hill. So between walking between uh, where food is and where the thing is and walking to your rooms and then walking down into town in the evenings to go to the pubs and then back again, you do stay fairly fit. So it's, it's, it's good. If you had an Apple Watch, it would tell you how fit that conference made you. Um, mm-hmm. And it was great. And it was great. And there were some, there were some great sessions there. Um a good mix of sort of technical sessions and, and philosophy sessions and and, uh, um, and whatever else. Uh, so, you know, I attended, unusually for me at a conference as well, because I, I was sort of, um, uh, I often have to have to go and do stuff or whatever else, but I, I think I went to almost every single session at this conference, which was um, which was good. I mean, it gave me a broader feel of the, of the, of the whole thing. Um, I think my favourite sessions there, and they were all good. So it's, uh, it's, there was a um, uh, Emily Toop did a session on. Um, she's been writing an app to track to try and work out what it is she's allergic to. She sneezes a lot, and so she's been recording every time she sneezes and the environment and everything that's going on at the same time to um, to try and work out what she was allergic to and and what was doing it, and then just this whole. Her whole talk on how that built up and how the interface had to be easy, but then how to had to spot other things and then how other organizations that deal with allergies and other things became interested was just a really interesting talk. And sort of what came out of it for me was the fact that um, she she purposely, for, for not for this reason, but she purposely made the interface incredibly ugly. Uh, and she did. She made it really ugly um, initially because she said, "If I made it good enough, I would never go back and fix it. Whereas if I make it ugly, at some point I will go and make it look nice. But right now I want to solve, you know, want to make it work, type of thing. Um, and so that for her was a technique of making sure that at some point she would have made, you know, she did all the animations and the blurs and the whatever else." But uh, by making it, making sure it was nowhere near good enough. However, what that sort of showed me as well as the outcome is by just making the interface ugly and accepting that's how it's going to be until the app reached its final sort of format and when she could then um, do the prettying work. Um, it, it was it meant she actually just focused on the problem, not the technology. And I think that's a problem a lot of us have as developers when we're trying to develop something is is we just we, we focus on, you know, how fast the the, uh, the the collection view is or how smooth the animation is. And that can then often take over from the fact of, am I actually solving the problem I set out to solve? Is this product actually usable for someone who has the problem or, or the issue that this problem is trying to be there for? 
and by removing the whole quality of the UI from the equation, no, she she discovered lots of things about it and, and lots of reasons why before where it wasn't an issue. And equally, it was easy to accept those things and change them because you'd not put three months work into this shiny interface that you then had to throw away because you realised it was a bit wrong um, because you hadn't done that work yet. So that was I found that a really interesting session. It was really cool. Don't know if you have any comments on that before I move on. No, except for uh, I, I, I'm dying to see the video. I hope that they'll be released soon. Uh, they didn't video them, so you missed it. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> and I think my... My other favourite session was oh, my brain's gone blank. I can't remember his name. Uh, um. Anyway, yeah, he, he did a, a session called "I'm an Idiot," mm. um, and so are you was the subline, and and he was basically um, uh, taking us through how uh, we can all be a lot nicer to our code, to each other. Um, to the way things work if we just accept we're idiots and behave like idiots and stop trying to think we're clever because cleverness normally gets us into trouble because we're actually all quite stupid um you know so we try and do clever things in code and then we come back even you know just three weeks later and we can't understand them anymore and stuff like this and so you know his thought was pretty much about just accepting that you're an idiot um yeah, except that everyone else is probably around you as well, and you have to, um, uh, you know, and, and actually, you know, be happy to ask questions because that's you know what idiots have to do, um, and it's perfectly okay and a good place to be. I've probably just given a really bad summary of that talk, but it was um, it was really good and it went down really well in 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 the room because I think there's this whole um, you know I I imposter syndrome. I think is the official title where people just feel yeah I'm. You know, uh, I'm not good enough to be here. Um, you know, and his basic premise was actually none of us are as good as we think we are, or you think they are. Um, we're all a bit stupid, and if we accept that, we'll actually can have a. We can work better. We can work um, better together, and we can probably do you know better work by just accepting that rather than just trying to be impressing people all the time. So I thought that yeah. was pretty cool, and I wish I could remember his name. So um, when I do remember your name, which I will put in the show notes, I do apologise, especially as we spent quite a long time talking and hanging out and drinking beer. And <laughs> now I can't remember your name. Well, maybe, maybe that's the problem. You drink too much beer. <laughs> that could be it, John. It was a conference. It was yeah. a conference. So that's it. So I've been home, uh, home a couple of days from that. And then tomorrow um, I'm off to India for the Mobile Developer Summit. So wow. we'll just, um, have a little bit of travelling. So it's uh, going to be interesting. So um not sure if we'll get to record next week because we have a 16-hour time difference between us next week. Um, but, but but in but that actually means that maybe you're you're even closer to me though, just kind of in the wrong direction. That's true. We might be able to work it out. We might no. be able to work it out. But um, then again, maybe not. It's just uh, make sure you bring uh, me back something. Uh, a tropical disease. No, actually, no. Let's invite this. Like, let's do this. You know, while while Scotty's in India, I want everybody to write in and tell us what he should be getting me. I'm I'm thinking like elephant or you know something good. Okay, maybe something that will fit in hand luggage would be better. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure I could get an, in, an Indian elephant in my hand luggage. I'm I'm sure people have tried. Uh, mm. Maybe I could check a bag. Mm. Yeah, there we are. Well, uh, that's feedback at iDeveloper.co for those suggestions, by the way. Um, John, where can people get hold of you? 
on the Twitters as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And you can get hold of me on Twitter as MacDevNet. And as I said just now, if you want to uh, send us some feedback, we would love to hear it. Feedback at iDeveloper.co. And, and you know what, John? We haven't had any reviews on iTunes uh, for, for a long time now. Um, so if you'd like to go give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever star review you like, actually, um, please, please go do it because it would... Um, <clears throat> What does it do? I think I, what it does what, is it makes it makes the podcast appear in lists. The more they get rated, the more they appear in lists, which helps people find it. And you can join a larger community of people who like to tune in. Right. And the important thing is that the more people listen to it, the less pain each individual has to shoulder by themselves. That's true. Ease your pain. Go give us a five-star <laughs> <laughs> Right. And those of you, thanks for sharing the pain. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's got to be the new the new finish to the podcast each week. I'm not going to thank you for listening. I'm going to thank you for sharing the pain. And until next time, you take care. <laughs>